Welcome to State Road 49, an audio program that shares extraordinary stories from everyday people. I'm your host, Aaron Freinberger, and I'd like to thank you for coming back. Today's story is shared by a mother named Gayla. It's of a tragedy that happened in the early 80s and the grief that followed. Here we go. August 25th, 1983, my life changed. My husband and I had gone away for the weekend and we'd left our children with both sets of parents. My girls were with my folks and my sons were with my in-laws. My husband and I got back from Michigan and we were gonna pick up the girls first. And my oldest daughter, Corey, she was three and a half, she insisted she wanted to stay another night, and I thought, there's no reason not to. So I let her stay one more night. I didn't leave my other daughter, because my mom would have to get up at five to give her a bottle. She was like 18 months old, that was Tasha. <laughs> and um, so I just left Corey. So we went home, and in the, about 3.15 in the morning, we got a phone call from my parents' neighbor. I figured something wasn't right. No one calls us at 3.15. My parents' house was on fire, and um, they were in the upstairs bedroom, so my mom and dad were in the, the bedroom down the hall from her. My dad woke up because he could not breathe, and he realized there was smoke in the room, and then he, and he said he went, flung his arms out, and he knocked a lamp off the table, and then he realized the house was on fire. Woke up my mom, and they tried to get down to Corey, but I think the hallway was actually burned away. It was already gone. And finally, Dad told Mom, he said, uh, if we don't jump, we're going to die. We have to jump. So my parents jumped out of the, their bedroom window. It was electrical wiring probably in the main wall, the dining room wall. It was a farmhouse. It was at that time, I think it was probably 80 years old, something like that. And it had, you know, been remodeled here and there like most farmhouses. When I was six, we moved from Laporte back to the farm and it was my mom's grandparents' farm. Her dad grew up there. Her dad lived in that house. Dad was all, I mean, when you have an old house, you know, you're always, you're always working on it and fixing it. And so, I, you know, I left that house. It was my home for 19 years. It was a white two-story. It had three porches on it. At the end, it had green shutters on it <laughs> when they had uh, recited it. At the time, my oldest son was eight. Uh, my second son was six. Corey was three and a half, and then my youngest daughter was 18 months old. We got the phone call, and my husband said, I'm going to go down there. We live three miles apart um, from my mom and dad. Before he got back, I knew, my, I knew that Corey died. I just, I knew it. I was in the bathroom. I was sick. I just knew she didn't make it. In my soul, I just knew she didn't make it.
He came back within about mm, 25 minutes and he fell across the washing machine in the utility room and he said, she didn't make it. Just, I did, I, I don't know. I really don't know why I knew, but I knew it. I, I, I just, I just had this feeling she didn't make it. I don't know why. So they took my folks to the hospital and, um, our sons were still with my in-laws, so in the middle of the night, I called my neighbor, I asked her if she would please come down and stay at my house with my daughter so that I could go over to the hospital. I saw my dad first, and he was still in a gurney, like in a hallway in the emergency room. He was black, I mean, he was smoky, and he just looked up at me, and that was probably the hardest thing I've ever seen or heard. He said, I, I couldn't get to her, and it was awful just to see. I mean, because he felt responsible because she was staying overnight there, you know. I didn't blame myself, but I wished I wouldn't have left her because I could have brought her home. I never thought my youngest daughter was supposed to be there. I felt like God didn't plan on Tasha being there. <laughs> so I never felt like she'd escaped, a, you know, dodged a bullet or anything because for everything to line up the way it did, that, that Corey was there the night the house burned, I just kind of feel like that's what was supposed to happen. I don't know why, though. I had always gone to church, and I continued to go to church, and I, I got involved in some Bible studies. And I, I remember I read, a, I probably read 50 books on grieving, and you know, there was no answer in the book. <laughs> there were no answers. It was just, you know, you just have to work your way through it. You can't, you can't skip it. I know that. Um, I, I do think I, it changed my relationship with God. I needed God more now, and maybe that's why it had to happen to me. I don't know. Um, but I did turn to God more than maybe I had in the past. Um, but to be, very, you know, to be very honest, the first 15 years, I was depressed. I was angry. I was furious that it had to happen. I didn't understand why it had to happen. It was difficult to be around my nieces that were the same age, um, you know, my nephews that were the same age. I went to Compassionate Friends. That helped a little bit. Um, and then after a while, you know, you don't want to talk about it anymore. You get tired of talking about it. Some of the things that got me through it were I, I really like history, and I've read a lot about the Holocaust, and I used to think if those if the Jewish people could lose their whole families and still want to live and still survive, then I can go through one of these. One of these deaths is how I looked at it. That was my thought process sometimes. It's been 36 years since she died. And is it getting any easier to talk about? Oh, it, yes, it is. It really is. Yeah. I always say I have her in a special place. It's not that I, I mean, would I have liked to have had her back, <laughs> obviously but I've accepted it finally. I didn't accept it for about 15 years, so I, in my head, I was arguing with God all the time. I was saying, what, you know, what, or why didn't I do this? Why didn't I do that? When it first happened, I just, I used to pray to God, please kill me, because I can't take this. <laughs> please take me away. I, I don't think I can do this. I just, I want to run, you know? It changed my dad a lot. My dad became very somber. Um, just very, very serious. And he used to be kind of, goof, you know, he, he just didn't laugh as much as he used to.
dad was released um, not too long after he went in, and dad and I talked for a month, did a lot of talking, and then my mom came home. Dad and I kind of quit talking. Dad never really talked about it too much anymore after that. And he was on crutches for two years because his hip did not heal. So he had that aggravation of not being mobile too, you know, on crutches for two years. And I bet it was kind of a reminder. Oh yeah, yeah. He lived nine years after that, but three of those years he, he was, uh, he had cancer. So that made him kind of serious, you know, more serious too, but um, he felt responsible. He didn't say that to me. My mom said, Dad, that's how your dad feels, that he feels responsible because she was in our house. My mom and I did a lot of talking over the years, which um, if there's any blessing in this, uh, my mom was also a bereaved parent. My brother died like eight years before Corey, and she had really had a difficult time with it, accepting it, and she said, you know, this time, I don't think there was anything I could do. I didn't know this was gonna happen. My brother had died of an unknown disease, and she felt like she should have, you know, been up there more at the hospital, or she should have realized he was that sick, whatever. And um, so my mom, my mom was a stoic, I guess. She didn't say a lot, but we could, we could talk about it, and I think it brought us closer. Um, because I understood why she was the way she was after Kurt died, my brother died, and, and uh, she knew where I was coming from, and I didn't blame them, I never did. I, I think my mom came to terms with, uh, with it better, um, and I think her relationship with God became closer, and I think that's why she could, uh, or why she did a little bit better. She just talked more than he did, you know, so. I was just, I was relieved for my dad when he was out of pain from cancer. And I was relieved that I, that he would finally know that I was okay. Because I feel like if you're, I just feel like he would know that he could look down and say, I'm, I'm fine, I'm okay. I did survive. I never thought I'd be happy again, you know. I mean, really, I never thought I'd be happy again. And uh, and are you? I am. I'm. I am. I'm. I'm contented. I'm happy. I feel blessed. You know, I have eight grandchildren now. My first one was born when I was fifty, and that was like, oh God, I'm so glad you didn't answer my prayer of knocking me off. You know, because now, because <laughs> now I, I mean, I would have missed all this. You know, usually it was the right thing. <laughs> You cannot skip grieving. You can't walk around it. You can't leave your house and forget it. You can't go on vacation and forget it because it's inside of you all the time and you just, you have to deal with it. I'm a Christian, so I would obviously turn to God and um, you, you get comfort from that. And hopefully find someone that you can talk to that can handle what you want to say, really. I don't know how they would get through it without knowing about the hope that God can give you. You know, as a kid, I was raised in the church and I heard about eternal life. And when you lose your daughter, you like, you have to really think, do I really believe that? Is that really gonna happen? And I knew it would. I just, I uh, believe it, I believe it. If I didn't have that, I'm not sure I'd still be here. 
I'm a teacher. I was an elementary teacher and went back to work in 86, and I do believe that was part of the reason I got through it. It saved my life because I started thinking about someone besides myself, thought about someone besides Corey. At least five days a week I could kind of, you know, put it in a special place, not not think about her constantly. And, and I love children, and I enjoyed my job, and... I was, I'm, I'm a very empathetic person, and I, I feel like I did a good job, but I feel like my job saved my life, <laughs> getting to be a teacher, and I did that for 30 years. My mom taught me that I watched her after my brother died, and she didn't, she didn't give up, and, and she had a hard time, believe me. Even though she had a bad heart and she had cancer, she grabbed life, and she just, she didn't give up, and she went on living even though she had many, many losses. She was my third child and I, I, I was very busy. My kids were each two years apart and with her I sat down. <laughs> and I, I just enjoyed her, you know, and I was like really over the moon because I'd had a girl. I was very excited to have a daughter. Um, and she slowed me down. And she, I think she touched a lot of people's hearts, you know, a lot of my aunts. And a couple people said they, um, well, they turned to God more because of her, because of that, knowing her and what happened. She was a real cuddly and happy kid. You know, I don't have any regrets. I guess maybe when you have an older child, maybe you can, you might have regrets. I have no regrets about Corey. I think she had a happy childhood. <laughs> I think I'm lucky to say that. Um, you know, not everybody even gets to have a Corey. I do have several friends that would have liked to have had a family and they couldn't have children. And I just think, geez, at least I got her for three and a half years, you know? I, I had her for that long. I know I'll see her again. It's been 36 years, but you know, I always say, Corey runs through my mind every day. I don't cry about it anymore. You know, everybody that I loved is gone. I think about him a little bit every day. I think they're still kind of with me. Because love doesn't die. They, they die, but the love didn't die, you know? <laughs> I could talk with anybody about her. My ex-husband couldn't talk about her at all. It's like we were never grieving on the same page, you know? But I think you have to talk about it. And it, if you can't pretend like it didn't happen, and you can't, um, you can't, you can't go around it. You got to go through it. It's just, that's one thing I learned. <laughs> I think most breed parents like to talk about their child, you know, and, and uh, it's kind of nice to talk about her. <laughs> For years, it was a scream in my head. Oh my gosh. Every morning I woke up, I would think, Corey's dead. Corey's dead. And I, I it, for many years, it was, I really, 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 really grieved. And I was, I just was very, very sad and very depressed. And, and then the, my next thought was, this is going to ruin my children's lives. That's my second thought. <laughs> I do not feel like it ruined my children's lives. It made my sons realize how fragile life is. And it made them realize how important and how important their role of a was as a dad because they are super involved dads, good good fathers to their children. But they they had their issues with it, I'm sure, over the years. Um, my oldest son and I could talk about it, uh, and every time 
he hit a new milestone in life. You know, now, now he's in junior high, now he's in high school. He seemed to go through something emotional again and, and, and the Corey thing would come back, you know, and he would want to know more information. My other son didn't say a word hardly and he's a, he's a quiet person anyway. So I kind of thought he was, you know, kind of okay. <laughs> um, but he was actually the one that played with Corey the most and they were kind of, I don't know, they were just always together. And so I'm sure I know that it did bother him a lot. Um, now that he's married and he's got children, his wife has told me that every Christmas Eve, <laughs> he borrows my family tape and he watches our movies. And she said, he cries every Christmas Eve. <laughs> Once again, that was Gayla, who we'd like to thank for sharing her story. And we'd like to thank you for listening. Check us out on Facebook slash State Road 49. I'm Aaron Freiberger, and this is State Road 49. executive produced by the Heartland Christian Center. Visit their website at hcc3d.com. That is hcc3d.com. This episode was recorded, edited, and mixed by Garrett Schultz. Music by Thomas Kilobas. For more information about the program, visit us at facebook.com slash stateroad49. This program was produced in Valparaiso, Indiana.